Whether you are a startup or an established entrepreneur, nothing communicates your company's message better than brilliant branding. With over 25 years in the business and over 250 companies named, expert Phil Davis and his team at Tungsten Branding will enlighten, brighten, and illuminate your mind so your brand will shine. Get ready to flip the switch and spark your imagination. Welcome to Brilliant Branding with host Phil Davis and Liz Heemstrom. Welcome, everybody, uh, to another brilliant episode of Brilliant Branding. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And this week we're going to be talking about a subject that so many of our startups, entrepreneurs, and even established business yeah, owners. Yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, even more, more so, so yeah. um, run into, and that is brand architecture or brand nomenclature. We're going to use big marketing words this week because that's how we get to charge more. <laughs> If we just say it's confusing, then it's... Right, it's, exactly. So we use words like architecture. That sounds expensive, too. You know, I'm a brand architect. Right, yeah. I think that's H actually... Hunter actually used to work phrase. for an architect. Right? I did, yes. Yeah. She worked for an architect. And they do charge a lot. And they, they charge do, a lot. They do charge a lot. So we get lot. to be real brainy without having to actually go to school. Yep. Yeah. So... Um, so uh, the best news is no charge for listening today. So this is why you should be spreading the word about brilliant branding to all of your friends. Subscribe and like and all that good stuff. Yes. So today we're going to help you with your brand strategy. And Liz gave this a title today, uh, Brilliant Branding from Chaos to Clarity. <laughs> I love it. I just threw that in A little in alliteration there. A little there. alliteration. A little, you know. There's a little lesson going on all, all the way around. All the way around. All the way around. So we're going to start off, and when we say brand architecture, it's just that. It's almost like when you build a house and you throw kind of that first one together. We were looking at houses in town this past week or two for some friends of ours, and somebody put a single-wide trailer on a lot in, in, in the downtown area. And then over the years, they just added on to it. I think I may have seen this house. Did you? It was like so. listed for 75000 bucks, and it needed like seventy-five grand more work. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it had holes in the floor, and... Then you you know you stepped up to go into the back room and it's just a hodgepodge. Yeah, it started off probably as a very legitimate thing because you know people as startups don't have a lot of money. Yeah, so that's that's you're putting up your your single wide. Right, right. <laughs> got my RV. Just, I got my RV. <laughs> I parked it. I got my sewer hook up. I'm ready yeah. to go. I'm in yeah. business. The business starts to take off, and at some point in the business when there's enough success. That's really when you need to do a real brand evaluation. Right. What are we on track to do? We're starting to get multiple product lines. Customer mm -hmm. base is growing. And right. instead. We have all these services and sort absolutely. of. Absolutely. They don't necessarily correlate to one another. And that's why they call them brand extensions. Mm -hmm. So using our analogy here, you extend this house and you convert the garage and then you stick another room here. Yeah. And if you've ever gone into someone's home and it looks like a labyrinth or a house of mirrors. <laughs> That's how yeah. brands get. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, Liz, because I've talked to so many people and it's easy to get inside of your own bubble. Yep. When you work in a business and you say, I, I had this guy, he was, he ran this paint company, uh, Dyco Paints. And he goes, when I met him, Max, he was one of the earliest clients I ever had. I go, I went in, into his paint store. He was an independent paint and specialty coatings manufacturer down mm -hmm. in Florida. And we'd go, well, what is this? He goes, I came up with it. I call it Diton. And I go, well, how, why Diton? Because of Dyco, Dyco Paints. And I forget why he called it Dyco. But I thought, I guess I see that, Dyco, Diton. 
And then they go, well, what's this? Well, we came out with another version of it, and it's the Dayton Silver. You know, oh my gosh, and then yeah. the next and one was the just, platinum, and oh then it was gosh. this. Then he came out with a complete different line of products, and it just had a complete different name. Mm-hmm. I walked down there, and from a branding perspective, it was almost like I, I ended up wanting to rock back and forth right. neurot- <laughs> neurotically when I left the building. I I couldn't even get my head around it. Yeah, and he was a very creative guy in a way. He was a chemist, self-trained mm-hmm. chemist, and he could walk in and just—I swear—he could just smell chemicals and throw something together and. He would. He came up with a roof coating for mobile homes. I'm back on mobile homes again, mm-hmm. and created another name for that. Mm-hmm. And but what happened in the long run is nobody except somebody who worked there could possibly understand. Right. What was what? Right. Now here's where it really got to be problematic, and maybe some of you listening can kind of identify with this. That was already confusing within the, within the context of his own stores. So he had five five stores. Let's say he had grown it to paint specialty coating stores. Well, what comes along as it did, this is back in the 90s, is, you know, who comes knocking but Home Depot yeah. or Lowe's, and they want to carry your products. Yeah. So if I'm walking down the aisle and all of a sudden there's Dyco paints, yeah. then they stand out singularly. Oh, wow, they're all same label, same look. I could see this segmented area. I've heard of this company. Boom. But if he's created this myriad of products and then he brings them into that store, it looks like you're going down there and it looks like you just ran into this cluster <laughs> of 15 different products in your mind, maybe from all these different companies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it creates confusion in the branding. Yeah. So today we're going to start the show off by just talking. in chaos. In chaos. <laughs> and we're going to take you from chaos to? Clarity. Clarity. Yes. So we're going to kind of look at some basic strategies for dealing with your your the proliferation of your brand. Yeah, and sort of how the big how the do, big companies how do have the big boys do it. Have done it. Yeah. Mhm. And how have other companies done it? And it doesn't mean they necessarily did it right. Exactly. We're so we're going to give you, you know, both the good and bad advantages and disadvantages of each of these strategies. Yeah. So when it comes to brand architecture, like four very broad kind of buckets that you can look at. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll call the first one the branded house. Yes. Um, and these are things that are they're kind of known in the industry. I'm not saying that we came up with this terminology. It's just no. it's just used to describe it. Yeah. It's when a brand uh, creates a, a powerful image, and then you just add to that brand extension by adding modifiers. Uh, a good example of that would be FedEx. Mm-hmm. So FedEx, and and so look at the nuances. This you got to ask yourself: Is this me? Is this right. the kind of business mm-hmm. that I'm in? So FedEx is still, no, no matter if they're flying it through the air, or driving on the ground, pretty much delivering things. Yeah, it, they're doing it expressly. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, and they're doing it federally. No, <laughs> no, no, about that. But the name has acquired the secondary meaning. It's become famous. Yeah. So when they expanded, they became FedEx Express, FedEx Ground, FedEx, FedEx Freight. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just grew the brand. Uh, FedEx Office. I think they actually have stores now, don't they? FedEx yeah. Stores. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's also interesting is that they kept the logo the same, yet mm-hmm. they had a different color. Uh, for the X for each one. Yeah. Almost. Ground like, is green. Right. So freight it, is red. Right. So it sort of also is another differentiator. Yet 
Yet it's part of, that's why they say, yeah, the house, they're keeping the house in order. Mm -hmm. So, um, every room in the house is the same African motif. Yes. Or yeah, it has the same thing, but it's slightly different. (laughs) This is the Serengeti room. (laughs) Um, so what they're trying to do here obviously is create some cohesiveness. Yes. So what this is another way that we can describe this is, um, you know, putting some method to the madness. Yeah. Yeah. So what you don't want is your client to think this is just a mad naming strategy. I Mm -hmm. have no idea what you've done here. And a lot of the things that we do is we come in post fact, don't we? Yes. And we do exactly this. Yep. We reverse engineer the names. So it looks like they're intentional. Right. Looks like, you know, they are related. Yep. Um, So this, you know, blended family with different last names. Yeah. Now kind of goes together. I think branded house is an example. And that's if you have a really strong open concept kind of name that's not in conflict with your product offering. Yeah. Right. Let's look at another example where that did not go so well. And <laughs> even though they're extremely successful, you know, and I think people sometimes combine success with best practices. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Ruth's Chris's Steakhouse is successful, right. but not because they used best practices in naming. Right. That was there's a trademark conflict. Yeah. A Chris Steakhouse was already taken, so she put her name Ruth on it, but it right. couldn't be Ruth Chris. It'd be Ruth's right. Chris Steak Double S. Right. But they make a hell of a steak. Yep, that's it. You that's know? what it is. So your brand actions will always t- take over your yeah. name. You know, this is, we're always going to be the icing on the cake. The the brand name, the identity, all is always going to reflect the behavior of the company. Yes. So good branding does not cover up bad behavior. We yeah. saw that with Weinstein. Yes. Right. So Apple's a great company, probably can't do too much wrong. They're the 800-pound gorilla. But uh, we'll show you some of the missteps and how they had to correct it. So they come out with uh, what we call a sub-brand strategy. Mm-hmm. And they had to do this because they ran out of runway. <laughs> they came out, and this is where we're at, right, with, with startups. You come out and you're so focused on this thing that you're just in love with, which was the Apple. Hey, mm-hmm. I got it, Liz. Let's call it the Macintosh. And you go, perfect. Brilliant. 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 That's what I say. Yeah, yeah, every time. So it's the Apple Macintosh. And take a bite out of this, and the Apple's got this. And man, everything's going swimmingly. And the Mac is selling. And it it goes from Macintosh to Mac. So it even sounds cooler. Mm -hmm. And you got the Apple Mac guy. Mm -hmm. And okay, this can't be broken. This is just a home run, it'll never change. So they go down, and all of a sudden, they need to start coming out with other other varieties of things, other computers. Yeah, right. So my, my question was, I would love to have been on that brainstorming session. But all of a sudden, they say, next, what do we call it? And they say, well, the next one's got to be the Apple Jonathan <laughs> or the Apple Granny Smith. Yeah. Following that nomenclature. Yeah, right, right. So, Sometimes think ahead. So this is a challenge to you as an entrepreneur. If you come up with something that you think is overly clever, right. how, how much, we call it in the business, legs. How, how much legs does this have? Ad campaigns. Does this ad campaign have legs? How far could you go with this strategy? And truth be known, you can't go too far beyond the Macintosh. Right. You know, yeah. the Fuji maybe. The Red Delicious. Gala. The Gala. 
that was that was good. kind of a nice one. No, I wouldn't be too bad. Where were you? <laughs> I know. Where was I in the brainstorming so, room? Here's literally how weird it got. I think Steve Jobs left right about then, or I don't know if he had left yet or not. But they called the, the one of the next ones the Lisa. And I think it was after his daughter. Yeah, I thought I thought that was like the original, original like one that he wanted to name it Lisa. The Lisa. So there was that's that owner. I want to put my kid's name thing in right. it. So even Steve Jobs gets involved in that. So you've got a Macintosh, you've got a Lisa. Right. Then during the dark days of Apple, I stuck with him the whole time. Hmm. When Steve was gone, the corporate ones took over. So they gave it this really pedestrian sounding name, the Performa. <laughs> no one even remembers these. These were horrible. They were gray computers, and they were just trying to be a computer company. Steve was gone. Yeah. So they now that you had the Macintosh, the Lisa, the Performa. Yeah. And they just couldn't get their act together. Then they said, well, what's another thing related to apples? Well, the science, the scientist, where the apple fell on his head, the whole guy that came up with gravity, apple on the head, is Newton. Mm-hmm. So they're developing what was the forerunner to the iPad. Yeah. And they call it the Newton. And I say all this because does this give you just a sense of the pain that owners go through in trying to come up with some kind of sense of what they're doing? Right. So you've got the Lisa, you've got the Performa, you've got the Newton, you've right. got the Macintosh. If they had kept going down that path, it would have just seemed insane after a while. Right. Yeah. Well, now they just have, they just done their computers as Macs. They've done their computers as Macs, and then they modify it with a Power Mac. You know, sometimes I believe they call them the Power Mac or the Air Book. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, I think it's Apple Air Book, uh, MacBook Pro. MacBook Pro. It's, yeah, it's MacBook Pro, all of those ones. Those have kind of stayed in the Mac. Yeah, I think typically, though, when people say computer, now it's basically Mac. Mac. I've got a Mac, or you have a laptop, a Mac laptop. MacBook. Mac MacBook. or MacBook. But it's in the same genre. Exactly. Right. Apart from that, they separated. Now, what's interesting, we talk about sub-brands. They just started playing with the eye concept because they saw they had such a pipeline. And here's a question to ask yourself. What does your pipeline look like? And if you're like Apple and you say, man, we're going to, you know, don't let anybody know, but we're going to come out with a phone. We're going to come out with an iPad. Right. We're going to come out with music. We're right. going to come out with tunes. Right. Then you need something that's really flexible. Yeah. And they just they just kind of defaulted to calling it the iPhone, the iPad. Well, yeah, iPod was first. iPod. iPod and then iPhone, iPad. But then it was interesting because then they came out with Apple TV. Which is a little interesting. Apple Pay. Apple and Pay. Then they came out with those new um, headphones, and they called them AirPods, I, I think. Well, and the, I believe the new uh, the new um, listening device in the home, I believe, is the Apple. Isn't it the the HomePod? I believe that's what it is. So there's still. Well, I, oh, here's my guess on that. I bet you the I blank ran into some trademark, is what I would guess. Some of those seems like it would be iPay, wouldn't it? Yeah. Not Apple Pay, but, right. but iPay. So even with that, they're trying to clear out a lot of intellectual property. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to say, well, I'm just going to put an I in front of it, an E in front of it, yeah. you're probably going to run into it. But I think like the the lesson here in the sub-branding is that still that parent brand, Apple brand, is the leader. Is the leader, and right. And so it sort of leads 
with all of these other brands and they're not necessarily um, have become their own brand. They're and, still yes. all, they're still all they're leaning in, on the Apple name. Still, yeah, they still the all Apple lean on iPhone. Apple. Right. And I think that's been helpful for that. So I think the the superstar in that would be, you know, the Mac. Mm-hmm. And then the rest kind of fall into this this nomenclature, that's what we call it, nomen yeah. for name. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a structure. So a- Apple's had to, you know, and they're one of the most successful companies. They've had to learn to come up with a structure to make sense out of their product line. And that's mm-hmm. what today's show is about is bringing clarity and hearing real life stories about companies that we've done, companies nationally that you can relate to. And they've all gone through a little bit of their own hiccups. Yeah. And so hopefully you can take a page, look down, look down your pipeline. Uh, don't come up with super great names if it's if you're going to run out of runway and you're going to come up with different versions of that. Mm-hmm. So today we're talking about uh, brand architecture, how to name all your little grandchildren without them getting into a big family fight with each other mm-hmm. and coming out with a cohesive strategy that's clear, concise, and consistent. We'll be right back. And you've been listening to Brilliant Branding. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Your brand is your story. And getting your story straight is the most critical and challenging component of your brand identity. That's where we come in. We're Tungsten, and we're naturally wired for brilliance. We'll help create, clarify, and communicate your brand message in ways that will make you shine. Whether you're a startup, entrepreneur, consultant, or an established business, we'll use our tools and talents to build and brighten your company identity. Why struggle with domain searches, trademark issues, and endless brainstorming when the Tungsten team can create a clear and compelling brand name that strengthens your image? Having named over 250 regional, national, and international companies, products, and services, Tungsten has a trusted track record for successful brand creation and implementation. Our proven process will focus your brand and put you center stage. Visit us at tungstenbranding.com for your free quote. That's tungstenbranding.com. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K. on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Brilliant Branding. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at tungstenbranding.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Brilliant Branding. We're talking about brand nomenclature, architecture, how to make 
a sense out of the madness that brands get into when they start coming out with multiple products, with multiple naming strategies um, that might have some internal sense of congruity. Mm-hmm. When I say internal, your engineers think the names are great because <laughs> they go, and I've heard this many times where people say like, well, isn't that our XP3 model that we came out with? Or isn't that, that's a blend of this and that. And it's like industry gobbledygook speak mm-hmm. um, that the people there that have been there, the legacy products, they know them. Right. Maybe their clients also know them, but they get a little bit too attached. The problem becomes when the company really gets into growth mode. And that just starts getting mm-hmm. getting crazy. So we've been talking about four basic ways that you can handle it. The first two we talked about at the top of the hour was the branded house. Brand is so strong, the products that you're coming out with are not extremely different. Right. So it's FedEx. Yeah. You know? So they change the color of the EX. They give it a different. We did this with a company called Paul J. Sierra Construction. Mm-hmm. And we simplified it to just Sierra Construction with four divisions. Very yeah. similar to this. Yeah. And we had one that went, dealt with commercial. And mm-hmm. we made it yellow like, you know, the yellow dump truck. Right. So there's Sierra Commercial, Sierra Residential. Yeah. Sierra Access, which was for remodeling homes that need to be retrofitted for handicap access. Mm-hmm. Um, and one for fire and restoration, yeah. which we put in red. Yeah. Um, so that really worked. They were all Sierra. Yep. And then everybody in each division could come in and be a specialist in that division, but with a tie-in to the house. Okay. Right. Sub-brands is just, you know what? We've got so many products. Let's yeah. just come up with a consistent way to name these yep um and i think liz this is before you jumped jumped in here about two or three years ago we had a, a client that we named trubiquity yeah and they had the same problem this sub brand that apple we were just talking about yep. did. they had a product called fusion Socorex. listen to this can I mean can you imagine explaining this yeah uh edx yeah all these different ones so since they were trubiquity we came in as part of our naming assignment and we help clean them up. And so we said, just take your fusion product and just now it's Trubiquity's True Fusion. Take your EDX product, it's Trubiquity True EDX. Yeah. And we used the TRU as an intensifier and a modifier. And I mean, people afterwards were like, oh, this is this is really clear. Yeah. And they had no idea that those were just one-off solutions that were suddenly just kind of nicely wrapped up together. Um, yeah, so we do a lot of cleanup work. We're kind of like, you know, when the mafia hires someone and go, we've got a situation. And mm-hmm. we go, we'll go to the crime scene, mm-hmm. the branding crime scene. Yeah, right. We clean it up. A lot of Clorox. Just, oh, no, this is a mess. Okay, so um, branded house, sub-brands. Apple just said, you know, screw it. Let's just call everything I something, right? Yeah. By and large, that's worked. Endorse brands is where you're still going to lead with one of your sub brands, but you're going to remind people of the parent behind it. And a great example of that is Marriott. So Marriott's got you know a number of brands, but they give you a little elbow every time. So Fairfield Inn by Marriott. Courtyard is the one that really strikes me. I mean, it's yeah. like, it, to me, in my mind, it flows right. Courtyard yeah, by, by Marriott. Marriott. Right, exactly. Um, Residence Inn. Marriott, Spring Hill, Suites, Marriott. I'm not familiar with Town Place. I've stayed a lot of places, but I don't think I've ever stayed at one of those. Yeah. But the point being, 
that that's kind of almost the intel inside. Right. So you see that and you go, so what would be a a case for making that? And I guess it would be they don't want people thinking they've got four of the exact same hotel. Mm -hmm. They do want to create differentiation, but the parent brand has gotten enough equity that there's a sense that there's a standard of quality. Yeah, to it. it's almost like, and I, I've i stayed in a couple of these and maybe you can speak to it more. Like they might have more like a tier of like, it this is, is probably oh, like there the best Marriott is. yet still. They're all Marriott, so there's still a baseline You can trust that these are, yep. Yeah, still trusted. Absolutely, so the differentiation is really um, length of stay. Some of these residents in, they're just, all it is, Really, they're all very consistent. Right. It's just that one is geared towards someone who's going to be there all week long. So you go to residence in because you, you want to cook your own food, do your own deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, other ones are more like, I think Spring Hill has sweets. So it's more you got a family and you need more room. Yeah. So they're different functionality. Right. And different maybe target. But the quality is the same. Right. And there's still that trust. Where you don't get this is I think when you see the choice hotels where – Quality in is one of the worst, and it, it's isn't just, that part of a, a chain no? That's of its hotels? own chain. The Choice Hotel. Oh, Choice. Okay, oh, okay. So choice they've hotels. got yeah. they've got all of these in there, and then they've got comfort, and they've got this. Right. Yeah, yeah. They're upgrading their comfort ones. I've actually stayed at a, a few recently that were quite nice, mm-hmm. and the comfort ones are nicer than the quality ones. <laughs> at least every place I've stayed. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, a two. That's a very good example between. I think Marriott's got their ducks in a row. Yeah, I agree. Where they've got some work to do over there in the other ones because you pull in a quality in, and it's that should be at the top of their food chain. Yeah. If name you know brand nomenclature, quality should be the best one. Right. You know, comfort should just be marginally comfortable. Right. It's comfortable. Right. It works. Um. So. Okay, and then the fourth one, so that's the endorsed brand. You put your brand out there, and then you kind of give the Intel inside strategy. A, yeah. Just a reminder, this is backed by someone. The house of brands, that's just when your brands are so differentiated and so unrelated. You don't need them or maybe want them to tie in together. Right. You want them to really stand on their own. Right. This is a very exceptional case. Yes. Because if you do individual brands, they're each going to need their own promotion and their own budget. Yep. It's costly. Yeah. But House of Brands, and nobody does this better than good old P&G. Yes. Procter & Gamble. Um, so they've got Crest and Vicks and Tide and Folgers. And, but you really, you really don't want to start creating sound-alike names that mm-hmm. support P&G. Because I, I think, Liz, that that would start sounding like when you go into the um, all of the different places – to buy your groceries, yeah, and they have that house brand. Yes, there's some place where, where I used to live, and everything was store brand, store yeah. brand. Yeah, it was like Janet Lee, generic. Yeah, it was the generic. Yeah, well, we have Laura Lynn and Ingalls. Yeah, Laura yeah. Lynn. Yeah, Janet Lee. Right, and it starts sounding like so. If P and G said we're going to get rid of Crest, we're just going to call it the P and G. Yeah, Whitener. Well, yeah, and I think too, like you, what you talked about, they have such different products. I, you know, do you want? To think about the person who makes your toothpaste is also making your coffee. Yes. Sort of like they do food and also like your shampoo. Right. And, you know, your Pringles or whatever, which I thought at one point someone told me that P&G makes Pringles. Yeah. 
And then I thought, oh, that's so weird because yeah, uh, yeah. They they're also, also making like shampoo. Vicks. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, you yeah. know, I wonder that too. You know, I've gone in and seen, you know, Bayer. I talk about that sometimes. Yeah. You know, it protects your heart. Put it in there and it right. protects your heart. And you won't get a heart attack and everything. Yeah. Then I was in Lowe's one time and I see Bayer. They also do insecticides. Because at its mm-hmm. core, I mean, right. Bayer, Bayer does chemicals, chemicals right? right? Yeah. So they, in their mind, I'm sure it's like, right. we can make chemicals. So it shows this cockroach. It's just absolutely <laughs> dead on its back. And it's like, trust us, you know, the, the message that I got from the packaging was, we will kill this sucker. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then I thought, I hope there's at least an hour wipe down between, you know, when they run there. Right. Their pesticides right. and switch <laughs> over to aspirin. You know, right. of course, that's not the case, but, you know. Right. You know, the public isn't always totally informed. And, and you a lot of times form a visceral reaction yeah. instead of an informed one. So, and that's what branding is, is helping to control the perception. Mm-hmm. I've always wondered that strategy. Maybe Bayer should not have their name on the insecticide yeah. part of it, simply because it's also consumer facing. Yeah, right. Um, so these are these are all open for discussion. And, it, and our, the purpose of the show today is really just food for thought. Yeah. Think out your strategy because there are different strategies. They're all, you know, we're not all trying to do the same thing. Right, exactly. Some people are trying to build the mothership. Yeah. And some people are just saying, you know, gosh, I just want some star products out there. Yep. I don't need any credit. The parent company me- is meaningless to me. Yep, exactly. And and we don't need to do that. So, right. so that's all well and good. It's all well and good. So branded house, sub brands, endorsed brands, and house of brands are kind of four big catch-alls. Right. For doing that. Um, so that's great. But how can you put those into... Into, into action. My, into action. So now I know the information, but how is it with my own nuanced? Yes. What about me? What about my needs? Exactly. What my, about my, my own my specific sitch. experience. Yeah. Yes. Right. My individual experience. So let's go over some questions. I know we get a lot of them. Um, yeah. Let's go over some questions that clients have uh, either called in or written in to ask us yeah. specific to it. And then we'll give you kind of our take on the what you can do in each one of these. Yeah. So here's a good uh, first question that we get quite often, especially for these are like the startups and the entrepreneurs. Um, I have a new product and I want to bring it to market. Should I name the company after my product? Right. Or just use them interchangeably. Right. So this is a great question. And again, it's one where a lot of times we have to kind of ask more questions. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, don't don't ever do that, or right. or that is the smartest thing. Build all the equity in the name and mm-hmm. get behind it. You know, is it a divide and conquer thing, or is it stay unified and put all your marketing muscle behind behind one name? Mm-hmm. And it really comes down to the product mm-hmm. and the name and how are you going to market. So I I would say to that question, tread lightly. Um, how specific? and purposeful is this product name. So if the product is very open-ended sounding, um, and it could, it could sure, it could be a company name, mm-hmm. it could be, you know, Apple, you know, I mean, it's obviously it doesn't sound like a computer. Right. Um, is it open-ended or is it toolish or functional sounding? The danger is if it comes out and you've created your first thing and it's obviously for a certain specific function, and I'll give you an example. Even though it's morphed to acquire a secondary meaning, we don't think about it. But it really doesn't make that much sense. PayPal. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. 
PayPal. Well, you know, it's not just for paying. I receive a lot of money on PayPal. Yeah. I there's there should be pay get, you know. <laughs> but it was functional in that, you know, it's for paying things. Um, but imagine now they they were to get into other things, other big financial services. Yeah, like mortgages or or just yeah. And so just be careful. I'm sure like way, way back in the day, someone came to market and they probably had auto owners. And so they called it, well, let's just call it auto owners insurance. Yeah. That's the one we, we talked about before where now they're doing life insurance and I'm not sure if they're doing annuities, mm -hmm. but there was this ad about you're getting older and it's, you just trust all your finances to auto owners. Right. It just seems weird. Yeah. Why would I trust all of my finances to auto owners? Yeah. You know, right next, they're going to be self-driving cars. It'll just get weirder. Yeah. Yeah. So I say tread lightly on that. I, I would default to having kind of a company name that's like a holding company that possibly could could cover other areas of it and not try to build all the brand and force it a derivative. An example to me, you said mortgages. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that credit karma is trying to pivot towards mortgages. Well, it's a it's credit scoring, mm -hmm. and now it's like now we want to talk to you about mortgages. Right. And there's kind of a tie-in, but like at what point does right. that name become restrictive? I don't know. I don't know what their grand yeah. plan is. Do you think you would advise them to do like a, you know, the sub-branding or sort of almost like creating a whole nother brand for mortgages, like having like the parent company? Well, I'll tell you what, like. Or maybe um, creating their own a different parent company and having Credit Karma be under scoring it, exactly. under it, yeah. Or you know, maybe they could play off the front or back of it, but you know, maybe it's Mortgage Karma. I don't. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's you'd have to just sit down with them and right. say, what is it you're trying to do? But to try to make credit scoring equal mortgages is, right. is just hard because mm -hmm. you're trying to bend. You're trying to right. to bend a meaning that's very established now to right. mean I'm going to check my credit score Yeah. to now mean I want to buy a, get a mortgage. Right. And you can get there sometimes, right. but why put yourself in that quandary? Right. I think Intuit did a better, better job of that. Having Mint, you know, the personal finance, they have QuickBooks. QuickBooks. So it's, it's and I think that's the, more of that. Uh, that's that parent holding company, yes. Intuit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, um, I'm into it and it sounds intuitive and it sounds, and then they come out with these you know, brand children. Right that aren't necessarily related. So there's an example right there. So I would say don't handcuff your company uh, in a way that you can't pivot or that it'll be hard to pivot. Yes. All right, another good question that we've gotten. Uh, we are a large company launching a new software product. Do we need a brand for the software? Um, everyone knows our company name already. Yeah, this is this is another one of that comes with living too much inside the bubble, you know, mm -hmm. well, everyone knows us, you know, well, you do and your in your immediate customers, but then you'll ask, well, who are you trying to reach a whole new market? <laughs> and you go, right. okay, so they don't know you. It goes back to is it, the company name again, is the existing company name. Is it just like a legacy name? Is it like an owner's name? Nobody gets it. It doesn't really fit it. There's the rare exception where the company name is just a cool sounding name and it might work. And you could just add a modifier to it mm -hmm. to, to create products. Um, but we had an ex example where a Canadian company came to us and they had building automation software and everybody they were selling against had a branded 
version of that with it with bro- brochures and everything. So let's just say that the competitor's name was the Excalibur 2000 <laughs> or whatever. And this company was blank company, you know, new co's building auto automation module. Yeah. It just sounds like a commoditized, just kind of off the shelf solution versus that. So I would say if you're going to come out with something like that um, and you're going to create something, you want to give it this sense of a proprietary edge. And that's going to come with creating a brand. Second level is don't just create a brand, create a brand that really complements the parent company. Mm-hmm. If you can pull that, that's your that's brand magic right there. Right. Uh, and then it sounds cohesive again, and it's like you're doing something with intentionality. Yeah. And it's not just this shotgun scatter effect. Yeah. Um, of just throwing modifiers on the end of your company name. Yeah. You know. That, mm-hmm. So that doesn't make sense. That's that's a question we get quite a bit. We're going to discuss a few more burning issues that we get here at uh, Tungsten Branding when people call in. These are all great questions. They're nuanced, as you said, Liz. And every one of them really requires looking at what it is you're trying to do both now and in the future with your brand so that you have the most runway and opportunity to grow without getting uh, boxed in. You've been listening to Brilliant Branding, and we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Your brand is your story. And getting your story straight is the most critical and challenging component of your brand identity. That's where we come in. We're Tungsten, and we're naturally wired for brilliance. We'll help create, clarify, and communicate your brand message in ways that will make you shine. Whether you're a startup, entrepreneur, consultant, or an established business, we'll use our tools and talents to build and brighten your company identity. Why struggle with domain searches, trademark issues, and endless brainstorming when the Tungsten team can create a clear and compelling brand name that strengthens your image? Having named over 250 regional, national, and international companies, products, and services, Tungsten has a trusted track record for successful brand creation and implementation. Our proven process will focus your brand and put you center stage. Visit us at tungstenbranding.com for your free quote. That's tungstenbranding.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
are listening to Brilliant Branding. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at tungstenbranding.com. Now, back to this week's program. And we're back. We're talking about brand nomenclature. Did the music just drop out? Is that just me? Are we still live? (laughs) Somebody say something out there. All right. All right. That's good. Thanks, Aaron. Yes. Um, Sure. So I'll have to go over my insecurity issues with my psychiatrist this week. (laughs) So we've been talking about brand nomenclature and how to kind of get your act together in terms of naming your products so that they make sense when you talk to people about them. Mm -hmm. You know, I was thinking, Liz, over the break, you know, on a micro scale, what we've been doing here at Tungsten. Yeah, absolutely. That's yes. a great example. So that last one is, you know, coming up with a software product, you know, should you just put everything on, under it. I, I'm not delusional enough. I am delusional, but not enough to think that the whole world knows the Tungsten name. Right. So when we thought of this idea of creating a workshop for clarity, we didn't just go the Tungsten you know, workshop. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We came up with Watson and the idea was it's a brand clarity workshop where we take people. It's a whole different thing than what we do as far as name development. Yeah. And we really wanted to give it its own sense of identity. And we put two T's in Watson and put a little light bulb, you know, the tongue. So they're related kind of in the same way that Apple tried to do with Macintosh. Mm -hmm. But unlike that, it's not. We're not going to come up with sixteen other things behind it. Right. So we created a related brand. Yes. So that we could say, here's a here's a, one of our product tungsten offers yep. the Watson Brand Clarity Seminar. Yeah. We created a less expensive version of naming. Yep. Uh, where the names are ready to go, business ready brand names, that are you know, ready to go out the door. But we didn't want to confuse that with our customized tungsten. We'll work with you for two or three months to create a customized brand for you. We'll walk all your people through it. I mean, these are just templated, ready to go. You go there, you buy the name and it's done. And we didn't want that to dilute the premium side of tungsten. Mm-hmm. So we call that flip switch brands. Yes. But if we have a client goes, I just can't afford your services. Do you have anything? We could say we have another division. Yep. Flip switch. And it implies the idea that you can just turn the light on. So they all have these corollaries. They're complementary to each other. And they all support the idea of clarity and insight. But they serve different functionality. So I think that's an example of how we dealt with some. We didn't just call it the tungsten lessexpensivenames.com. Right, exactly. Um, or yeah. or biz, Tungsten Business Ready and Tungsten right. Workshop. Yeah, right. We created that. All right, let's go with some more questions from the audience. Yeah, so another good question that we've gotten is, I'm starting a company that will be selling multiple product lines, none of them pertaining to the other. Should I brand each product line and simply have a holding company name? Okay. And it's yeah. almost like they're asking, should I do the PNG thing? Right. The PNG thing. I'm doing things. Well, you know, what I find on this a lot of times is this is when we get this the most is when we get people that are calling that I think just haven't thought through their business enough yet. Yeah. 
Have you noticed that? Yes. It's people that go, well, we're thinking of doing this. And it's really, they're thinking of, it's almost like they're thinking of going into two different businesses. Yeah. And rather than deciding, they just go, well, I just want to open this. What should I call it? Yep. And I think a lot of times you've really got to look at thinking through your business model. Yes. You know, we got people that say, you know, the business is, you know, my wife's going to be doing flower arrangement and I'm going to be doing welding, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. So what, it, you know, what sh should we have different? And I'm, at that point, I'm like that. Maybe you should just be in two different business. Yeah. Um, but there are times where people say we have different product lines coming out um, that are, they're not that related. I would I would ask these questions. Are you sure there's absolutely no synergies between them? None whatsoever. Because if there is a common thread, then you can create these complementary, even if they are different names, subbrands, just like the example we gave with Watson, mm -hmm. with Flip Switch. I like that yeah. because I think it sounds smart and it sounds interrelated and it sounds intentional and thought out Yes. versus we just kind of barf these names out because <laughs> our engineers came up with them and they're just into putting acronyms at the end of, or, you know, alphanumerics yep. at the end of it. Um, so I would look at it and say, if there is a common thread to everything you do for ours, it's, you know, clarity, insight, or brilliance. If there's a common thread, try to relate the products, but sure, you can create different names for different lines, um, and they don't have to have the parent name in them all the time. We've kind of covered that. Mm -hmm. So next one, do my products need to be individually branded? That's almost just coattailing off that last it question. It is, and again, it's a yes and no uh, to that one. Um, if you have, I guess what we kind of generically refer to as a wonder brand, so maybe you've put out two or three different products and one of them just freaking takes off. Now, I heard that WD-40 was actually WD-36, WD-37, WD-30. No yeah. <laughs> and then they hit on 40 and it worked. Oh. That's the story I heard on uh -huh. on WD-40. So that's kind of an interesting play. That's just one of them that just, it worked, it took off, it acquired a secondary meaning. I would never, if we got hired, we'd be thrown out if we said, well, we think you should call it WD and just throw 40 behind it. It was just one why of Why did we hire you? Why did, We could have come up with that. Yeah. Uh, means nothing. But, you know, promoted it, again, probably took time. It probably took, I can imagine, a lot of demonstrations of it, yeah. trade shows. Yeah. You have to work to earn that. Yeah. But that became a, a rock star. Yeah. So if you have a rock star brand, um, then I think you just need to let it go. Miracle Grow to me is a great example of that. That's owned by Scotts. Yep. But Scotts didn't overbrand it, even though that they have a very well respected brand name. Right. Yeah. They let that, you know, the, the Miracle Grow is Miracle Grow, and then right. they didn't call it Scotts Super Plant Formula, you know? Yes. So. That's an example. Um, same thing. We talked yeah. about it with, with Apple. Yeah. And what's interesting, I, I wanted to make sure that I was correct in here. miracle Grow actually almost has its own product line within the miracle Grow family. They have the potting soil. They have the actual miracle Grow itself. Yeah. They have. So it's sort of one of those like. And here, look, look at the web. I'm sorry. It says Scott's miracle Grow. Yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah. So, it, yeah. So, yeah, I think if you have one, you know, you've got to hold them. I, I, I think of Steve Jobs as a brand, right? Right. They had to carefully balance 
how much do we promote him as this, you know, wonder kid, wonder, and how much do we promote Apple, the company? Because mm-hmm. they know Steve Jobs wasn't going to be around forever. Yes. Um, but yet they needed that halo effect that he brought to it. So I think you just those are, these are all great questions to ask. Um, and if the products are maybe not as standout as they could be, but they're awfully darn good and mm-hmm. they come from the same company, then maybe the company comes forward more. Yep. Yes. You know, right. You know, this is an Apple product. Yes. It's exactly. probably more important than just putting an eye in front of something. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So next question. Yeah. These are great questions, These Liz. Amazing questions. Yes. So, okay. Our product name is becoming more well-known than our company name. Should we ditch our company name and just be our product name? Yeah. You get this is, again, the, the product that takes off and mm-hmm. it just overshadows. It's like your good child. <laughs> the one that went did you hear they, they're getting their PhD <laughs> all the other kids are gagging <laughs> um, yeah. so this is that child you know should should you follow the lead in other words should you follow the lead of your big rock star um, it just depends again if that's become just absolutely all consuming the, the one that comes to mind for me is Blackberry Yeah, that just became so all consuming that the parent company Research in Motion was just synonymous with BlackBerry at that point. Yeah. And they finally folded their their name into that because it became kind of in one of those rare instances, almost like you're who? Well, we, we do BlackBerry. We do BlackBerry. Oh. oh BlackBerry. So what's research in motion what's, then? Yeah. And it's like, well, we're the parent company. Oh, um, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I would say that's really the exception more than the rule. Yeah. Um, and, and you're fortunate if something's gotten that much. But remember, too, if you if you hook your wagon to that one brand, and then later on you innovate again, you're you're back you're back in the problematic thing. Let's say uh, BlackBerry, like Apple, decided to get into the music business. I mean, yeah, would it be BlackBerry Tunes? Right. You know, I don't know. So yeah. You know, they'd have strawberry to really, tunes. Yeah. <laughs> Strawberries. Yeah, it gets weird. So if they looked and said our business plan, and I this is what I ask clients to do a lot. Just look as best you can ahead three to five years. Mm-hmm. How much do you see your aperture opening and you bring in a funnel of all kinds of products and how wide is that funnel? Yeah. And will your current naming structure support it? Yep. And if it's too I go back to toolish sounding. Remember the client we had that was test craft. Yeah. It just sounded like you did little quizzes online. Yep. It just wasn't going to support the kind of broad vision they had. And we rebranded them to Brillium. Yeah. You know, the power to know better. Yeah. It sounded more platform, more right. expansive than test craft. Right. And that way, when they have Brillium, it would be easier for them to create sub branding if needed. Yes. In the underneath future. Nest, underneath that. Right. Exactly. Right. And then Brilliant sounds more enterprise level. Yeah. All right. So one more question. We have a popular product and we are creating it into a line. How do we create a cohesive naming structure? Yeah. So this is probably one of the most uh, common 
questions that we get is we get it when it's a little, it's, it's, we're a day late and a dollar short. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. kinda, you come to us and you're in the advanced stages of brand decay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have to retro, retro engineer these because they've just got really, and especially what we fight is in, in, internally, there's a lot of times a lot of advocacy for keeping things the way they are because people have worked there sometimes 20, 30 years using these names. Mm-hmm. So we could have concentrated on the VER, we could on the T, on different parts of it, but we kind of honed in on this EX. So we can work with prefixes or suffixes, mm-hmm. but all of it, the EX, we liked because it had the sound of excellence, excelling, and it had kind of that space age kind of yeah. EX. Right. So when they came out with other versions, their industrial version of a water heater, we call it the Voltex, mm-hmm. which sounded really strong. And then there's an energy efficient line, and we call it the FX, but it was right. EFFEX. Right, for like efficiency. Efficiency. Yeah. And then there was the Cirrex, like off the Cirrus clouds. Yeah. C-I-R-R-E-X. So all of a sudden, it starts sounding more and more like a brand family. Mm-hmm. And then again, it looks looks proactive rather than sounding reactive, mm-hmm. because you certainly don't you don't want to spend the first valuable moments with a new client trying to kind of untangle the 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 web that you wove the yes. tangled the tangled web that you wove. Yes. Um, so this is all about creating clarity from chaos to clarity. So hopefully today people got some examples of where we took situations looked at them individually, looked at what are the goals of the company, how much growth do you plan, how much expansion do you plan, and then look at your naming strategy and say, is it going to support what you're planning to do? I look at it again like building a foundation. If, if you're only going to live in a one-level, one-room house, you don't have to put a lot of structure in it. But if you're building a skyscraper, you need to look at your brand architecture and say, will it support the kind of growth that we're looking to do over the next three to five years? So hopefully this has been both insightful and helpful. You can find more information and articles that we have if you go to tungstenbranding.com and click on resources. We have all kinds of articles. You can go back over past episodes Mm -hmm. of our podcast and feel free to just kind of delve in there and get insight in this. If you have a question, you can always reach us at info at tungstenbranding.com. And these are issues that we deal with just about every other day. Yep. So is that all the questions that we have for today? That is. I think I that think we've, I think we need to wrap. I think that wraps it up. So we'll uh, be looking forward to talking to you next week on another episode of Brilliant, Brilliant Branding. Branding. Thank you for listening to Brilliant Branding. Please join host Phil Davis and co-host Liz Heemstra for another edition of the program next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, stay brilliant. Brilliant.